Welcome to Cats by 90, a podcast dedicated to you, the Big Blue Nation, basketball, football, and the latest recruiting news. If it's Kentucky sports, then it's here on Cats by 90. Now, from SB Nation's A Sea of Blue, your hosts, Big Blue Drew and Aaron Gershon. Thanks for joining us on an episode of the Cats by 90 podcast brought to you by SB Nation's A Sea of Blue. I'm Drew Brown, joined by Aaron Gershon. And man, I just look back, Aaron, at like the last 25 things that I've written. I've been writing a little bit more and like no matter what the topic is, what's going on, whatever I'm tasked with writing, it always is just dominated by COVID-19 and how those implications are on whatever topic I'm writing about. So I would ask how you're doing, but I guess I pretty much know like everyone right now. Yeah, just taking it day by day and doing my part by staying home. And hopefully we just, you know, more people do that and we get out of this mess. Yeah, I know. It's just like it's tough here in Kentucky. You know, that's kind of being, I guess, like at the peak of this, hopefully the peak, I guess, of this curve. And it's hard with the kids, man, to stay cooped up. And we've just been trying to get out in the wilderness. I took my daughter fishing today. You may be able to hear my son screaming bloody murder in the background right now, getting put to bed. So it's tough with kids, man. Everybody's situation is just so different. So uh, the whole dynamic of this is just crazy. And like, I'll be working tomorrow, like with people and stuff. So it's just, I don't know, it's just unusual, man. And it's, it's, it's getting very difficult. Oh, I can't imagine kids right now and having that. So kudos to you and your wife for <laughs> braving the storm. And, you know, this is the good news is that it is temporary. While we don't know just how long this is going to be, it is temporary. This is not how the world will be forever. And the sooner everybody does their part, like your family's doing, um, We'll, we'll get over this. Hopefully, like I said, it's just it's it's scary to think about, I guess, where things will be sitting, you know, um, if, if this doesn't happen and kind of what's looking like. I know one thing's for sure. Um, I want to get down. We're going to talk a lot of basketball on this show. Obviously, it's going to be heavily dominated by um, draft decisions, just kind of what we think. We're actually each going to take and make a, a case for why players should stay or go. So like Aaron will make a case for why so-and-so should come back and I'll make a case for why they should go. Not necessarily what we believe, but what we think, um, or at least just making a point for that and making a case. But it looks like everything's just canceled indefinitely right now. I mean, I seriously doubt we're going to have any football come the fall. I mean, it's looking inevitable at this point. So who knows what the college sports landscape will look like over the next few months. And if they'll play sports concurrently or skip a season, it's just, it's all up in the air. Yeah, I really, really obviously hope um, there's football. It may look different uh, if they push the season up or whatever. But, yeah, it's really – it's all going to depend on really science. If vaccines can be developed, which normally it's a 12- to 18-month process, but you see expedited efforts if there's a medication that's found to be pr- proven and effective combating this virus. And there's a lot of different factors. I'm remaining hopeful we'll have football, but – trying to keep it locked in the back of my head. And so I'm not crazy disappointed when it's that time that, you know, there is a real possibility we don't play this fall, but really, really hope um, obviously that we do, (laughs) Uh, especially for me. This will be my senior year at UK. And my plan is to get to every game home and away this year. And selfishly, I'd be crushed if that doesn't happen. But more importantly, for the people playing and 
the fans who come, you know, all over the country and really, you know, athletic programs, they, most of these athletic programs, especially your non-power fives, um, you know, they can't afford to keep all their athletic programs up and running if football season's canceled. For example, even Old Dominion University down in Virginia um, had to cut wrestling, at, they had to cut the wrestling program as a budget cut. So you're going to see more and more of that um, if we don't stay home and get this process done sooner. Yeah, there's just no area of life in the whole globe that it's not touching right now. It's hitting some areas harder than others, but it's going to be wild, man. And I got some good and bad stuff like in my feelings segment. We can just try to knock out quick. Um, bad is what you just said, man, like about you being a senior. Me and my daughter keep talking about that. She keeps saying, I feel so bad for the eighth graders and the seniors in high school. Like that's just such a special moment and, and stuff that you remember. And like, mm-hmm. you know how your senior year of high school is and stuff like shit, that whole like last half of the year, you're just having fun kind of being rewarded and one last little hurrah with all your your best friends before we know how that works now as adults like you'll split up and you won't see those people so it sucks man that really sucks for and hopefully your senior year becomes at least a lot more normal than maybe this year's group of seniors was but good stuff man i wanted to talk about this sooner but i'm super hyped about a a podcast that we've added to the sb nations network which is um something i've wanted to do for a long time the kentucky dad podcast launched with me and um my my first guest was TJ Beisner, so it was kick-ass. If you haven't heard that, please check it out. It's on the same page as ours on iTunes, so please um, subscribe. It's just if you go on iTunes and look at um, search AC of Blue, it'll be up there, and you can check it out. So I'm hyped about that, Aaron. I know I've talked to you about it before, but we just have some good people, and I got some good guests lined up and kind of get to know people in a different aspect than just um, UK athletics. Yeah, now that is awesome stuff, and I did. I haven't finished the first episode yet. I started it. Definitely recommend it to anybody, and I'd offer to come on if I was a father. <laughs> well, I'm thinking about that though, man. You know, too, and I need to kind of. I'm sure over time that this new Kentucky Dad podcast will develop, but everybody has a dad, you know. That even is true. It's a bad situation, so I was kind of thinking maybe it would be cool too if, um, at some point with you being home, whatever you wanted to record an episode with your dad, um, we could get it up there because. Funny story, I know that, you know, I was just sitting there the other day. I'm like, damn, I have so much free time now. There's no excuse, you know, I'm going to try to get some projects <laughs> off the ground that have been in my brain. So I'm like, I'm doing that one, you know, I reached out to the SB Nation podcast director guy. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. So got it rolling. And then, you know, I just tagged everybody, a lot of people we know through the media and just kind of, you know, well-known Kentucky fans that are outspoken fathers and things. And I went over to my dad's house and he was um, pretty scorned that I didn't tag him and mention him as a guest, which I was like, duh. For, so I'll for sure have him on. That'll be good too. Maybe him, my brother and my daughter or something. But yeah, I'm excited about that, man. And uh, we'll definitely have you on in some capacity. But yeah, it'd be cool if your dad came on. Yeah, no, that absolutely would. And, you know, hopefully I can get home soon. Obviously, I live in an area, as you mentioned, that is very much affected by this virus. So I don't really even know the next time I'm going to be home, but I'd be all over that. So where are you staying right now? Like, is it because where you staying on campus? So what did you do? Yeah, well, I have an apartment that's it's very close to campus. Might as well be okay. on, but it's not affiliated with UK. So I'm here. Uh, don't have to leave, obviously, since it's a separate lease and all that. But it's a uh, you know it's a ghost town in here. That's for sure. All right. Well, like I said on this episode, so I did want to. Uh, just kind of go through and we'll just take it real quick, kind of rapid fire. So all the draft news is starting to kind of, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if materialize is the right word, but 
we just have so much less information, man. So it's so difficult. Like normally last year or whatever, I mean, I'd be hearing things. I'd be trying to, you know, talking to people. People would be, you know, brushing shoulders, just kind of information passing and like, uh, you know, probably not great for the podcast here, but I, I don't have much as far as inside information, at least on stuff that I've been hearing. And I guess it's still a little bit early for that a lot of time, but you know, the general consensus of um, national media, definitely local media is that, you know, most of them are probably gone. But like I said, we'll kind of just go through. So we can start, make it real easy. I'll give you a layup, Aaron. But Tyrese Maxey, you can go ahead and you're, so you're the stay on Tyrese yeah. Maxey. So make a case. I mean, I'm sorry, you're the go. So make a case of why Tyrese Maxey <laughs> should leave Kentucky um, for the NBA. Yeah, he's definitely the most NBA um, ready prospect and kind of fits the mold of today's NBA, which is a lot of speed at the guard position. A uh, really great finisher. I think he's still, I don't want to steal your thunder, he's still developing as a three-point shooter, though. But outside of that, I think his game is NBA-ready. Um, he's athletic. He also has an unbelievable personality. He's a really mature kid. And um, he's probably going to be a lottery pick given um, the speed he has and the athleticism he has. So it's pretty much a no-brainer. Yeah, Tyrese Max, I said that's kind of a layup. So I was going to kind of go over his stats um, real quick, and then I'll – do my best on mind of it. But yeah, just shot 29% from three is about the only kind of negative. It was really starting to come in his own with like consistency. Finished the season right at um, 14 points a game, 4.3 rebounds a game. And you knew coming in, he was going to be the most, you know, pro ready guy. Ceiling is just so high, but cases to come back, there's little to none. But I guess an argument would be that, uh, Aaron, I felt like that dude was just built for March and you could just see that they were. <laughs> He was going to have, you know, national media, I feel like, just drooling over him and doing stories because he just seemed to have that it factor that was really going to translate well to the NCAA tournament. So that's a case. And then the only other one I was thinking about when I was kind of putting this together and I knew I was the why um, Tyrese Maxey should come back guy is that just the circumstances of the world, dude, the news is developing at such a rapid pace, like who knows what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks before these decisions are made. But by all indications, um, that'll still go on. You know, there'll be some type of NBA draft or an opportunity for college players to go professionally. So he's gone. I mean, definitively, no matter what, um, you, obviously he's a guy that you think will be gone. The latest mock draft, too, we can kind of go over. I just saw that. Um, I believe, I know Tyrese Maxey was the highest Kentucky player going, and I believe it had him going 12. Yeah, that would make sense. He's probably going to be right around where PJ and Tyler were last year. It'll be nice to get a, another lottery pick out of the University of Kentucky. And I'm sure I'll have more opportunities to talk about this, you know, as decisions are made and especially once he announces. But, man, such a likable kid. He's just always oh, smiling. Yeah. I think his personality is going to translate so well to professional basketball just because he has he's such a great mix of, like, just being happy, go lucky, you know, genuinely loving his teammates, loving every feels like just every moment he's just so engaged and having a good time. But he's also ultra competitive, so that's kind of a rare mix. Those two things together, and I think he's going to be a hell of a pro. I do too. I do too. And yeah, it'd be the surprise of one of the biggest surprises in the Calipari era if he were to come back. Yeah, he's gone. Um, next, let's go Emmanuel quickly. So I'll go first on this one. I'm the why Emmanuel quickly should go pro. Um, I think a lot of similarities with Tyrese Maxey in the fact that, you know, he showed it. He really had an opportunity to show it this year. It's not so much on potential. Obviously, coming off of an SEC Player of the Year caliber season, or not caliber, won the SEC Player of the Year. 
And just with his stock, man, it's just so high right now. It seems to make sense because with some of the the backcourt talent that's coming in, who knows what his statistics would look like next year. And undoubtedly, you can say that Emmanuel Quickly's stock has never been higher than it sits at this moment. I believe he was the second Kentucky player in that mock draft. And I want to say it had had him like 37th or 40th, 37th or 40th, something like that. I'll look that up. But I know everybody wants him to come back because they just see – a player like that, P.J. Washington or somebody that comes back after that decent year and then just catapults for a dominant development, you know, offseason. But he's gone. I think that's definitive, too. But convince me why or give me a case why he could come back. Yeah, it's definitely become more clear um, by the day. It seems like he will uh, be a goner. But I'd say the main reason, the only real argument left for him to come back is if he wanted uh, to run the point. Obviously, he came here as a point guard in high school, um, and that's how he was recruited. That was the plan. Remember, he was in the battle with Ashton Hagens to be the starting point guard uh, before the 2018-19 season. The job went to Hagens, and kind of the rest was history, where with quickly shooting, he was better suited off the ball, blah, blah, blah. But next year, uh, Devin Askew's likely, as of now, your starting point guard is not, he's not only going to be a freshman, he's young. He's reclassifying to be eligible to play because he's a year behind. So you're going to have a really, really young point guard who I'm sure if it were, if there were other options, Cal would probably be starting somebody else, at least at the beginning. So the only argument you could say is, you know, you could be the starting point guard and show what you could do on the ball. Everyone already knows what you could do off the ball and on the defensive end. So that would be the really only real argument left for quickly. But, I mean, if I'm being honest, the right move, I think, for him at this point, especially off the year he had and the resume he's now built for himself as the SEC Player of the Year, uh, it's probably his time. Based off what we saw from him, too, you know he was just going to go on those workouts and probably torch. His confidence was just so high. So he's just, I think, a definitive player that got just short into the stick on this whole situation because he didn't have that opportunity to go do through any of this stuff. And we know him too. I mean, gosh, the Kentuckians know him as just this great kid of faith and just has such a strong personality built in morals, basically, which you know professional teams would have just been loving to see that type of um, caring and like generosity from a player that they might potentially draft, I guess. Hopefully they'll still get to do a lot of that. I'm sure they'll Skype and they'll talk and they'll dig in a little bit, but yeah, I would say quickly he's gone pretty diff- But crazier things have happened with him or with that situation. Cause I, I guess you could at least make a case for why. I mean, it's not, you're not a crazy person. Like I think you would be for Tyrese Maxey, but I'd give that one like 90, 10, 85, 15. I think he's gone. So yeah, I think um, that's where it's going. All right. Nick Richards then. So you can go first on this one. So, uh, why should Nick Richards uh, go? What's the case for him going to the NBA? Uh, I think at this point, his stock is as high. It's, his stock is as high as it's going to get. Uh, obviously his first two years here were not good. <laughs> I mean, let's face it, he didn't live up to the expectations that made him McDonald's All-American, but, you know, he came in with the right attitude this year and he was the guy for, you know, really up until January when Emmanuel quickly kind of took that role over, but Richards was still a mainstay. Uh, they wouldn't have done what they did this year, winning the SEC title by three games, uh, without Richards. Uh, he really developed into his offensive game with the hook shot. Um, just being able to really finally post guys up consistently and overmatch people um, with his height. And he obviously was one of the best shot blockers in the country um, by year's end. I think he was averaging two a game. So 
he's uh, kind of at this point, he is what he is now, uh, which is a pretty dang good big man. Um, in today's NBA, you see less and less of it, but which is probably bodes well for Richards because more people are still looking to add a seven footer. It's not going to hurt you, um, even though it's a guards league. But you know, he's he's a rare physical specimen, and his game spoke for itself last year, and he showed that you know. He's not going to be discouraged by two crappy years of play on the highest level. You had tons of people unhappy with him here. Um, and, you know, he stuck it to him this year. So I think he's proven he's an NBA-ready guy. And um, while he might not be a first-round pick, I think that's more just because it's a guards league now. Fair. Um, so Nick finished the season averaging exactly 14 points a game like Tyrese Maxey. 7.8 rebounds. He blocked 66 shots. Shot almost 65% from the field, which really speaks exactly. to his, yeah. his development and stuff. And tough for me to, to do my part on this one as far as why he should come back. I'll kind of go back to the sentiment part of it, which is, man, you just, you saw such a path for Nick Richards to potentially, you know, leave here as um, a big man that just maximized his potential towards the end and was able to lead Kentucky in a deep run in the tournament, possibly Final Four, even National Championship. So that would be, I guess, my starting point for a reason that you could, you know, see him coming back was just to he – he obviously seems to love it at Kentucky as well, um, potentially come back for that. But draft-wise, man, it's just so difficult because he's an older guy, and you always got to look at this from a, from a perspective of just where does their stock sit. It hardly – so much of the time, it's not necessarily about where they're at in their stages of development and like skills. It's just always those projections. And with Nick, you kind of know what you're getting more at this point. So what, what more is he going to do? So I think Nick's probably an easy case to, if he'll be leaving. And, um, I think the projection I saw him that mock draft had him, um, sneaking into, he was like in the late second round. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, that's interesting. And I, I really think that just comes down. If you look at the draft up and down, it's mostly wings. Uh, point guards, you know, so it's, it's just, that's where we are in basketball nowadays, but a seven footer, um, with his attitude, I mean, a team would be dumb to pass up on. Yeah. I hope he gets drafted. Let me see. I think I just pulled this latest mock draft. Uh, um, maybe not. All right. Let's do Ashton Hagens real quick. So I'm Ashton Hagens as far as why he should go. Still burns me, Aaron, that there's yeah. such likelihood of his last game just kind of being there before that Florida game and just the absolute collapse of, like, attitude and just perception and what was going on. And I think it was all de by design from the program, everything, just to kind of give him that opportunity to come back with a fresh start and really put a cement on the program when it mattered. And he's another one that's just obviously not going to get that opportunity, and I think that sucks. Um the way that it ended would be a big reason. I think that you could see him go. He's another one that, I mean, look, look at next year. If you come back and, and there's any type of question about your desire or, or anything of that nature, I mean, the backcourt's going to be loaded. You're just talking about Devin Askew. Um, you got Brandon Boston who can really handle the ball. So I think there'll be some options there that could, I don't know, potentially see him where he's not even starting or something. So I think that he goes just because it's another situation of like, what do you really have to prove by coming back? And is it going to be worth, you know, sacrificing another season, I guess. Yeah, I agree with that. But I'd say if there's any reason he should come back, I guess there's a couple. The first is putting a, we'll go with the on court first is 
he's not a very good offensive player. I mean, that's just the best way to put it. He turns the ball over. He's a pretty good passer, but he still turns the ball over way too much. Uh, he, he's still, I mean, he got better this year, but he still struggled at finishing in the paint. And, you know, he takes a lot of threes, but he doesn't make many of them. So I think his offensive game still has a ways to go. His defensive game is NBA ready, but his, I really think his offensive game still has a ways to go. And then do you want to be the guy who left Kentucky on a really sour note? Um, and now I, I, I think I speak for fans on this. I would think no one really knows what to make of him anymore, whether they should, you know, think of him as, you know, a really hardworking defensive player who, really put defense over offense. It was a pretty good passer and, you know, help the help them win an SEC title. Or should they think of him as a guy who got fed up with the coaching staff and he wanted out at the end of the season. So um, his, his, I guess his, if he leaves now, his um, legacy here is kind of a confusing one. So if he wanted to share that up, if that was something that mattered to him, uh, that would be a case to come back. And like I said, the offensive game, I think is, Far from NBA ready, so that would be the other one. So Ashton Higgins this season finished with 103 turnovers, Aaron. First first question, who do you think was second, and how many do you think they had? I'd go Maxi. Correct. Mm, 60? Damn, that was pretty good. Uh, 67. Yeah. The, there's and then just, from there, I mean, it's pretty low. Like, quickly had 48, uh, Richards had 49, and then everyone else is in the 20s or less. So, I mean, just tons of turnovers. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, though, 191 assists. Maxie had 98 assists. So, But in really, too, you know, when you look at Ashton Hagens, it's just so tough for me. I just don't know what he's going to do because is his defense really good enough to carry a professional career? I think, like, he got a, a great reputation for that, and he is an awesome defender. But I just don't know if – cumulatively if it's going to be enough to really submit that guy to play professional basketball and maybe it will you know maybe because his offense will open up uh once he leave and that kind of pressure of Kentucky and you know who you're playing with and all that who knows get him on a different roster but I'm just not sold that his defense is is that good to really carry him oh I agree I I don't know either and I'd really like to see more of him honestly you know even if he elects not to come back here I, I mean I don't want to sound crappy, but with all the all the influx of guards coming in here next year, why not transfer? I mean, yeah. you're going to have the ability to play right away with these new NCAA rules. I mean, I know you know UK fans hate when other kid when these kids transfer, but I think he might benefit from a change of scenery. And I mean, just prove his offensive game. I really think, and you know, kind of reestablish his defensive game, but prove his offensive game and prove his attitude. It just sucks, man, that it has to end like that because we talked about it at length preparing up for the tournaments, man, the fact that if he would have rolled and played well and been laughing and hugging and all the CBS outros and stuff and he played well, no one would have remembered any of that stuff, man. But unfortunately, that's all kind of all you remember now. But it is what it is. And, And lastly, I guess as far as player decisions, man, we have probably the most precarious one and I guess definitively the one that you could bounce back an argument each side for but um I, so ej montgomery i argue that, that why he should stay and i know his dad and stuff made some comments to maybe support your point a little bit but i, I think you can state some obvious stuff here man one they need him they need some front court help yeah. next year you have a chance to really come in i know they needed him this year too but he did show those sparks and signs of stuff that really professional people 
want to see and look to see. Is a, is a pogo stick in there when he can finish around the rim? And I think just coming back to Kentucky and getting that exposure, if he's going to be one of the like top SEC returners next year and really be looked at on that spotlight, which he never has. So an opportunity to come back, play well, definitely play yourself into potentially the first round and get drafted. Because right now I don't think, you know, he's not on any draft boards. So, damn, that should be the number one reason is that you're really not projected to to do to do much as far as that goes and really taking a risk. So why not come back and play some meaning, meaningful basketball, if nothing else. But I know it's tough for EJ. He's probably definitely the tougher decision. Yeah, it's a, it, I mean, I don't think it necessarily should be because I'm with you. I definitely think he should go. But you look at the reasons he should stay, or he, I think he should stay. Uh, if you look at the reasons he should go, it would be, I know his dad talked about, you know, he doesn't need to prove himself on offense. I disagree with that. But I think more, what left does he really have to prove? He did he did, he did improve toward the end of the year, more on the defensive end than anything else. Uh, showed he could be a really, really a lockdown defender at times. Um, offense is kind of up and down with him. It always has been. I mean, he had that 25 or 8-point game against uh, one of the non-conference opponents. I can't, I think it was fairly Dickinson. I can't remember. Yeah, what I it was. But um, so he has shown he could, you have some games where he goes off offensively, but not consistently. Um, and I, really, the question is, if that if what he showed us at the end of this year when he was playing his best basketball was the best version of himself, what's the point of coming back? So if if he feels that he's shown it all and he's put it all on tape, then it's his time to go. But if he feels uh, there's more left, then he should come back. I think it's funny with EJ. I mean, I think the consensus is definitely that he was playing his better basketball and starting to figure things out towards the end. And these were like his last seven or eight games points totals. Two, four, six, eight, five, two, four. Yeah. Like he had four points against Florida and really only what a couple of rebounds, but he just him playing winner. with energy. <laughs> yeah. His energy, just when him playing and he kind of looks like he knows where he's supposed to be at, he's engaged on both ends. His potential is really high, but his decision's tough because you could also say too that he's in that spot like, you know, if he's weighing his options, what's more likely that he comes back to Kentucky, puts it all together on next year's team, you know, has some decent stat line and improves his stock, or is it another year of the same and then ultimately it even goes even lower because now he's in year three, not producing. He finished this season at uh, 5.4 rebounds a game, 6.1 points, um, field goal percentage just over 50. So yeah. kind of lackluster stats it's overall, not, not, not really what people were expecting or hoping for, I guess, before the season. And you should also probably look at the, just the track record of guys who have come back for year three. And, I mean, I know I saw the comparison to PJ, but, you know, this year would be your PJ year. So look more at Nick Richards and Willie Cauley-Stein. I mean, mm-hmm. it worked. Yep, so that's kind of where we sit. And, again, I, it's it's a tough year because – one, the information, and two, I just think most people right now are going to be surprised if any of those guys come back based off the information we have now. And it's so hard to get freaking information. So it'll, who knows? Maybe there'll be some curveballs mixed into there. But I know uh, we haven't – we'll talk for maybe a second. We can wrap up about the Johnny Juzang transfer because right. um, I saw Justin Rowland from Rivals put this out, and I think he's spot on in the fact that, man, things are just really looking different than we thought or had hoped as – if you know, if you're a Kentucky fan – the roster next season is just not looking to materialize like a lot of people thought. And there's some grad transfers on the board, but now losing Johnny Juzang, I mean, 
Things yeah. could get ugly next year if some pieces don't fa- fa- start falling in place. It kind of feels like that 17-18 team with Knox and Shea. It was just an all-freshman show, and it showed that you need a veteran or two. But I fully expect the way that it went with Reed and Nate the last two years for Kentucky to be on the lookout for definitely a big man in the grad transfer market because if they lose both EJ and Nick, they're going to be really small next year. Um, and with Juzang gone... Uh, and probably going to lose quickly now. You're going to need another ball handler to pair um, with Askew, in my opinion. But Juzang, his whole decision, at first, I think everyone's first reaction was homesick, homesick, fine. Then you look at the top six schools he's put out, and you see Villanova, Texas Tech, and Notre Dame. He's from California. Okay, it's a minutes grab. I think it's that simple. Yeah. Were you surprised when you saw that? Were you super surprised? Or were you kind of yeah. like, I didn't really... Oh, I was. I really thought it was a homesickness thing. And then um, I saw that and I completely <laughs> went the different route and said it's a minute scrab. I was surprised to see it. But you know what? He wants to be a pro one day. And if he felt like he wasn't going to get the proper minutes at Kentucky and he could go do it elsewhere, I guess that's what's best for him. You know, I was the first one. No one was saying this, but that when we came back for semester two, I guess after winter break, it's like that first this game in January, I guess. And he was just not dressed for that unspecified illness. I never th- I thought he was gone. Me I too. thought for sure he was going to save that semester and he was going to be gone because at that point he wasn't in the rotation at all. And it was very difficult to find a path for him, I think, to play a lot of minutes. Uh, Whitney was still here. Everyone was still betting on him. So for him to come back at the end of the season and start playing well, I wasn't super surprised, honestly. Um, I know that uh, it, his hype train was growing because he did play a lot at the end of the year. And, and again, a March run might have totally changed his situation. Maybe he plays a couple big games in the SEC tournament or something and finds his grooves, feel better about his time here at Kentucky and comes back. But a couple of grad transfer options. So you mentioned a big guy. I know that that Grant Golden guy from Richmond yeah. is a name that keeps popping up. I'm not really sure how or if Kentucky's involved, but uh, he could be a potential option. And then the Bryce Aiken, um, people keep mentioning, even though I don't know that Kentucky's reached out or anything like that. But those are just a couple of names that I keep hearing. Yeah, those are um, definitely some of the names. I haven't really gotten to dig deep on any of them yet. I know the Gonzaga, uh, Gonzaga the Richmond one has been the one I've heard the most about, uh, mainly because UK just booked Richmond on their non-conference slate for next year. And there was like, oh, maybe it's because of that. Who knows? But um I definitely think that adding a grad transfer, specifically one with size, um, would be absolutely humongous, especially after which prospect was it? Was it Christopher that put out a new, or was it Green? I forget which one it was, that put out a a new and improved top five, and they put a USC logo right over a Kentucky logo? (laughs) I don't see that. I don't know, but definitely need size, probably one more ball handler. Um, very last two, man, then we'll wrap it up. So a huge part of next next year's season or season's roster is the Greg Brown decision. I think he finally set a date, like February or April 24th, I mean, or something like that. Um, Texas still, everything I'm hearing seems to be Texas heavy. Still think that yeah. it's a Texas lean, but it does seem to be a, just a straight up two-program race between Kentucky and Texas. So crazier things have happened, but I love watching well, that dude's highlight videos. Man, man, he's a freaking tremendous athlete, but... Huge addition. That'd be monumental for Kentucky. But as of now, the way things stand, April 2nd, it's not looking great. Yeah, and looking at uh, 24-7's crystal ball, Texas, 10 predictions are in. Texas has nine of them, and the other one actually 
doesn't belong to Kentucky. It belongs to Memphis. So good old Penny Hardaway at it again. But uh, yeah, I, it would be huge. I mean, he's six nine, crazy athletic power forward, and that's exactly what I'm looking for UK to get in the grad transfer market, maybe even a little bigger. So that that would really fill the need for another big on next year's roster. And I think even though he would be a freshman, it would kind of calm some of the nerves um, and concerns people have around next year's team. But yeah, it's starting. I think the less you add, the more it looks like the team from a couple of years ago with Knox and Shea that simply didn't, it just didn't live up to UK standards. And it wasn't a very fun year. I mean, they lost what, like eight conference games. Mm-hmm. I love Greg Brown, though, man. That dude is a freaking highlight reel walking, dunk it between his legs in the game and stuff. I think he's going to be a good addition, just a straight live catcher wherever he goes. But just, again, Aaron, news changing so much right now. Who who knows what next season's yeah, roster is going to look no like. Problem. It's harder harder to kind of project things right now, so a lot will change. But we'll keep sticking with it, man. I wish I'd say I'd see you soon, but I know I probably won't. <laughs> but um, we'll I'll try to there. dig in a little, bit, a little bit more this week. I, I know a lot more stuff's going to start coming out. Um, about draft decisions and over these next couple of weeks we could try to bring the listeners some good stuff but please if you haven't check out the kentucky dad podcast under the same sb nation uh, apple podcast feed or you can get it you know straight through the twitter page at kentucky dad pod follow us on twitter at cats by 90 um you can follow me at big blue drew 33 aaron gershon at a gershon 99 but good stuff aaron i'm glad you're feeling all right everything's going good and um i guess we will catch up next week Yes, you too. Everyone stay indoors. Let's get over this thing. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow Cats by 90 on Twitter at Cats by 90. You can also follow Aaron and Drew at agershon99 and at BigBlueDrew33. And remember, no matter the opponent, it's always Cats by 90.